You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. All right, guys, we're going to be spending a few weeks, so I'm excited about this. Uh, Acts is an exciting, exciting book. So uh, uh, if you've ever struggled with knowing God's will, why do bad things happen to me? I'm trying to walk by faith. I don't know what the Lord wants to do. I'm being persecuted. Whatever it is, this is the place to be over the next few weeks. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and your love. Uh, You are so good, and uh, none of this matters without your presence, Jesus. Nothing that happens on stage or in this building matters without your presence, Jesus. So I just cry out to you, Jesus, we need you. God, you know um, every single soul here has been brought by you, and I just pray that every single soul experiences has an encounter with your very presence. Holy Spirit, touch each heart. Touch each mind. By your grace, use me, direct me. Holy Spirit, work in and through me. Anoint this message, God. We don't need to hear from me. We need to hear a word from you, God. I want to step out of the way. So Jesus, have all of me. I love you. I worship you. Give God permission. Tell him, move in me, God. Speak to me, God. Comfort me, God. Encourage me, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Hey, just for the record, I'm really excited about the Nuggets beating the Spurs. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but Denver has a professional NBA team. I know you think it's just a big gladiator stadium right against the I-25, but there's actually an NBA team that stands for National Basketball Association, and they're called the Denver Nuggets. And they're doing really well. So uh, I'm enjoying watching, and, and I'll, be, I'll be able to cheer more fully for, you know, they're going to go up against Portland now. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, <clears throat> didn't you enjoy worship, guys? I just love worshiping. I always enjoy worship at Thorn Creek. It's just always fun. I, I, I get lost in my worship over here when I camp out over here, and, and I, I get lost in there. Um, <clears throat> so let me, uh, let me tell you uh, something. So we missed a birthday um, and the reason why we missed a birthday was because it was on Easter, and all of our efforts were focused on Easter, and it just kind of slipped to us, slipped by us. But I want you to know, on April 20, 2019, Thorn Creek turned 16 years old. <laughs> Thorn Creek turned 16 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So with the building you see up there, that's Fairfield Inn. That's at Huron and 120th uh, in that general area tucked away back there, and that was our first public gathering place. Um, I had uh, hired this company to make a whole bunch of phone calls, and, and I went around knocking on doors and separating people by, you were either a green chili pepper, red one, or blue one, and um, <coughs> all, all of you are, are, are green because you're in. But uh, anyway, so, uh, so uh, um, that night uh, was our first public meeting, and it was super cold, I remember that. And, and we were expecting like 16 families to be there from all of our efforts. And um, it was, uh, I want to be careful, it wasn't a hotel room, it was the conference room. We're not that kind of church. Um, so, so it was a conference room. And we got together in the conference room and, and, uh, and, and we had like seven people, including Grace and I and my two-year-old son named Josiah. And uh, I was discouraged. And I can still tell you, 
I, what I was preaching about, I was preaching about faith and I showed a video of Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark when he threw the rocks out and he you know, did that step of faith thing. And I, I showed it. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. Sometimes pastors preach messages that are for them more than the crowd. And that, that weekend, or that weekend, it was a weekday, I was trying to believe what I was preaching. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, I, I did something. Um, I journaled. I journaled. And I'm not a big journal. If you're a journaler, that's wonderful. I, I, I would love to have that kind of a, that takes real discipline for me to do that. But uh, I journaled. So let me just read to you what I wrote. Because you applauded, and I appreciate the applaud, but at that night, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. Last night, we had our first Wednesday night meeting since Tells Starts. That's the company I hired. We had Sam, Bev, Garrett, Tricia, Jerry, Scott, and us. It was discouraging. We had 16 families commit to being there Wednesday night. The weather was very cold, and I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. I woke up this morning with some questions. Is my faith too big? Am I realistic? What else could I do? Why would God give us 21,500 square feet? What are we missing? The kind of questions that forced me to rethink some things. I believe God is under control. It's so scary. I really feel like I'm living in my own world, and I'm the only one that can determine the color of the sky and describe the surroundings. Am I fooling myself? God, you are my God. You gave me a word a couple of days ago. Is there anything too hard for God? Search my heart, leadership, skills, and mold me. I need you to remind me that you are in control. Please send us families. I pray that the 16 families come next week. In Jesus' name, amen. They never came. Those 16 families, they never came. That's when I discovered people are generally just kind of liars. That's what they are. They don't tell the truth. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? You know. Nobody tells the truth. Um, but, uh, but, you know, have you ever gone through something and when you're in it, you're just discouraged and you're down and, and you're, you're wondering, like, is there any purpose here? Why, why am I in the right place? And, and, and what am I doing? And, and anybody ever been there before? Raise your hand if you've been there before. I know I've been there. That's where I was at. And, 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 and um, I know Christians should be joyful all the time, but sometimes you just don't feel it, right? Sometimes you're in a dark place. And uh, what I discovered was everything was happening exactly how the Lord wanted it to happen. Everything was happening exactly how the Lord wanted it to happen. I had my expectations, but God is much more mysterious and beautiful and wonderful, and, and he worked out something that I just didn't expect. And throughout the time, he was building me up, you know, God will build the dream, but he builds the dreamer, too. He builds the dream, but he builds the dreamer, too. And he was building the dreamer during these days. Um, I'm grateful with the way the Lord worked it out. Truth is, the Lord knew at that time in my life the maximum number of people that I could manage related to my leadership capacity was seven. That's what I always tell people. God knew that's what I could handle at that time. I know we, like, we think pretty highly of ourselves and we think I could handle 20,000 because I'm just all great in a bag of chips. But you know what? God knows who you are and God knows what you could handle. And uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was a growing time. I, there's not one picture of that hotel 
inside that conference because I wanted to forget it. Not one picture out there. And of course, now I kick myself. And uh, I, 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 you know, embrace the moment that you're in. The Lord is with you. The Lord will carry you through it. Process with God. Talk to God about where you're at. But the Lord will see you through it. Keep your faith. Hold on. Keep reading God's word. Stay with it. And God will see you through it. God will see you through it. The birth of the church. So <clears throat> we're in this series called Unleashed right here. And in the back here of these shirts uh, is the whole sermon series. And it eventually ends in Rome. That's close to your butt right down here. Uh, Rome is uh, Labor Day weekend. So we're giving out the shirts there for free. So if you didn't, weren't here last weekend, make sure you pick up a shirt in the cafeteria. And, and uh, we want you to be a billboard for what God's doing here at Thorn Creek Church. That's why we made these. But Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 tells us the head of all this stuff. It says, Christ is also, and let's read the bold out loud, guys. Christ is also, which is his body. So who's the head of the church? Christ. Yeah, it's Jesus. And, and, and who's the body? Yeah, turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're the body. You're the body of Christ. We are part of the body. So, so there's this, this idea of Jesus. He's the head. It's not a pastor. Um, it, it's Jesus, and that's why this organization called the church has been going on for about 2,000 years. That's why it's outlived all these other corporations in our business world. That's why it's going to outlive you. It's going to outlive the company you work for, because Jesus is the head of the church. Now, here at Thorn Creek, that's always my question. I say, Jesus, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, Jesus? What do you want to do? It's a great, great habit, even in your home, when you say, Jesus, what do you want to do? Help me, Jesus. I'm going through a hard time. Jesus, I cry out to you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. To, I need to know that you're with me. Jesus, I need, you to, I need you to heal me. Jesus, I need you to comfort me. It's a great, great prayer. Cry out to the name of Jesus. I've never seen a true Christian, a spiritually mature Christian, Love Jesus, but not be committed to his church. I've never seen it. Every spiritually mature follower of Christ that I know loves Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, but they also love the church, his church. His church. It's his church. And I've said this before, you know, those people who who love Jesus but aren't committed to a church. You know, Rick Warren said, it's like me telling a husband, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. You love Jesus and you love his church, flaw and all. Because <laughs> it's not perfect, is it? Flaws and all. This morning I was at Starbucks and, and getting my coffee and I was, had a great time with the Lord in First Kings. But one of the commanders from the Thornton Police Department was there, and he comes up to me, and, and he shakes my hand, and, and, uh, <laughs> and he just was happy because I was there. I prayed for them on um, Columbine week, and um, so anyway, um, he just goes outside, and the Lord put it on my heart to go out there and invite him to church. That he knows I'm a pastor and, and all that stuff. So I go up to him and I say, I'm not going to tell you his name, but I said, hey, um, I want to invite you and your wife, him and his wife are sitting there in the patio. I said, I want to invite you and your wife to come to church. And then he said, I'll burn up if I go to church. He's, he's done and been through a lot of stuff. And I said, oh, brother, <laughs> we all need God's grace. You'll fit right in. 
It's interesting the lies the devil tells you. When the church is a place for the imperfect and sinner and saint and all of us, the church is God's primary conduit to build his kingdom on earth. It is God's primary conduit, proclaiming God's word, preaching, loving on people, serving, giving, all of these things. It's God's primary conduit of, of proclaiming truth. In fact, Scripture calls it the pillar of truth. That's what he calls the church, the pillar of truth. Let's jump into Acts, guys. Uh, the book of Acts, written A.D. 61 by Dr. Luke. Uh, Luke, same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, it, it's 28 chapters, and it actually starts documenting the church being born as of A.D. 30. As of AD 30. The first 12 chapters is a lot, talks a lot about Peter, and, and, and it's beautiful. And then something happens. This, this one guy is, is blind on this road, and he meets Jesus, and all kinds of crazy stuff. He could see, and then he's blind but on the road to Damascus, and that guy's name is Paul. And much of the remaining chapter through 13 and on is about the Acts of Paul. It covers about 30 years, and it describes the birth of the church and the expansion of Christianity through the Roman Empire. Chapter 1 talks about three things. Here's chapter 1. It talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Promise of the Holy Spirit. It talks about the ascension of Christ. And it talks about Matthias, who replaces Judas, because Judas committed suicide and hung himself um, after he betrayed Christ. So, so what we're going to look at is, is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, if there's one word in the book of Acts that kind of captures the big idea, it would be witness. Witness. That's what it would be. So early on, you see in chapter 1, let's just start in verse 1, it says this, in my first book, remember Dr. Luke is writing this, and his first book is the Gospel of Luke, that's what he's referring to, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. So he's writing to a guy named Theophilus. Theophilus, we don't know a lot about him at all, but we know it means, his name means loved by God or friend of God. That's what it means. So Luke is writing to Theophilus, this person, what most Bible scholars believe, and he's telling Theophilus everything that has happened since the resurrection of Christ and how the church has been birthed and how the church has expanded all the way into Rome. So that's what he's doing. Verse 2, he, uh, Luke says this, Until the day he was taken up to heaven... After giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, during the 40 days, how many days? 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So this passage tells us that for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus was just meeting people, walking around at specific moments. And in fact, the Bible gives us at least 10 events when Jesus showed up. One of them was in front of 500 people. Another one was with a couple of guys on this road to Emmaus. And another one was to, to the ladies. Another one was to the apostles and doubting Thomas. And he said, okay, just, just feel my, you know, put your, put your fingers in my holes here and, 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 and believe. And, you know, 10 events, at least 10 events, if not more, where Jesus walked around. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? I think God just knows our hearts. He knows we need affirmation. He knows we, what we need to believe he knows what you need to believe. 
And he goes around and he says, look, 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 go ahead and put your fingers in, 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 you know, in my, my hands and all this stuff. And what is he talking about the whole time? He talked to them about what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Have you, ever, have you ever been around someone when they talk to you about stuff and they keep bringing up the same topic over and over, they keep bringing it up over and over, and you're like, just let it go. Just let it go. You could make an argument that Jesus could not let go the kingdom of God because he's been talking about it like forever, his whole ministry life. In fact, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where the devil tempted him, and he hadn't eaten or, or anything like that, and, and the devil tempted him three times, and he responded with the Word of God. And then when he comes back, when he's ready to start his, his ministry, Matthew chapter 4 says this, From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So it's like Jesus just keeps pounding this drum about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. You got to look at life like the kingdom of God. It's like someone who, you know, sells everything to buy the land and buries the treasure. It's the kingdom of God. And, and, and over and over, that's all he's doing is pounding the kingdom of God. I must go to Jerusalem. I got to go to Jerusalem. There, just over and over and over. Why would God do that? Why would God do that? I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. There's no greater purpose for your life than to live for the kingdom of God. No greater purpose for your life. What does that mean? That means when you look at this world, you look at it in light of the kingdom of God. We're all just passing through. That trouble that you're facing in your life is not going to take you down. That valley you're in is not going to get the best of you. You're not going to drown. You're not going to burn. God's going to see you through everything you're doing. There's nothing that you're going through in life that is greater than God. Greater than his love, greater than his grace, greater than his power. God will use every tragedy for his glory and he'll use it to minister to you. You will come to know who he is in a greater way as you navigate and go through life. Even the things that don't make sense. Even the things that don't make sense. I thought I'd share a few testimonies, lives being changed here at Thorn Creek Church. There's so much to talk about, all the, you know, with all the things that this church has done, and glory to God. But the testimonies really excite me. One that you may remember is, is Ronnie. Ronnie's in heaven now. Ronnie's in heaven now. But about two years before he went into heaven, he committed his life to Christ here at Thorn Creek Church. He said, my name is Ronnie. I've not been to church in about 40 years. Did you hear that? 40 years, not been in church. I was the two-time-a-year person who would go to church on Christmas and Easter. I would go and sit in the service, but I would not listen. I was recruited to be a Navy SEAL early in my military career. I was a non-believer for a long time because I believe people who went to church were hypocrites. And I also believe what I cannot see is not real. Well, I was wrong. I was invited to Thorn Creek Church, but I told Pastor Reuben I don't want to go to church because everyone at church is pure. And I'm not pure. Did a lot of things as a Navy SEAL. He said, I was an alcoholic. I suffered from PTSD. I hurt my family in many ways. <clears throat> and then I still remember the day it was raining, and I was talking to him on the phone. And I led him to Christ on I-25. I kept my eyes open, and I prayed with him. And I led him to Jesus. He started sitting, he would always sit right over here, 
Frederick, you guys remember him? He was a big Raiders fan. He was the only Raiders fan. Oh, we had another one, I guess. But he would sit right over here. And I remember the day we baptized him, I told him, you're going to go down a Raiders fan, but come up a Broncos fan. <laughs> and he, he, as soon as we baptized him, he said, I'm still a Raiders fan, Pastor. But he got a tattoo, a Thorn Creek logo tattoo on him. And he was always calling me every day, every day, every day. There's like a real moral dilemma we have now with caller ID, right? You know, it's like, what do I do? <laughs> He's calling me. It's like a real ethical dilemma. It's like the dishes in the dishwasher being clean. It's like, oh my goodness, I just want to put my one plate up. You know, it's like, it's like a real moral dilemma. <clears throat> so when he was in the hospital for a week and I came by to see him, I read scripture to him. I've never done that with anyone. I always read scripture when I go to the hospital, but this time... I read like chapters to him because that's what he was so excited about learning about Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It was all so real and fresh and new for him. You know what I'm talking about? So I just read scripture to him. Read scripture to him. When he was in the hospital, he was already, you know, declining. But when, he, when I showed up, I could always tell in the hospital when they're excited to see me when they're at that state because his whole body started moving. His whole body started moving. His heartbeat got a little faster. He was excited that I was in the room, and I prayed with him. Whew, right there. I haven't deleted his texts that he sends to me, which are hilarious because he would always speak into it, and all these words were like, I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> all these words, I don't think you meant to say that. <clears throat> Jesus says this, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Jerusalem is like everything. Because in the, in, the, in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, it was all about, I must go to Jerusalem. At some point, there was like this switch that like, I need to go to Jerusalem. You guys don't understand. That's where it's all going to go down. That's where I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And the apostles never really got that. And now Jesus is saying, don't leave Jerusalem. Just stay right here. Don't leave. Just stay right here. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. <clears throat> Until the Father sends you the gift. The gift you promised. You have a gift coming to you. You have a gift. <clears throat> John chapter 14, he talks about this gift. He said, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. There's the gift. To help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit, he's called the advocate, the paraclete, the comforter, but he's also called the spirit of truth. And I think it's so appropriate because we know who the father of lies is, it's the devil, Satan. He's the father of lies, and he's always feeding lies you know, as, as much as he just, he just wants you to buy into a lie, you're not worth anything, you'll never, you'll never succeed, you're a failure, you'll, you'll never get over this, you'll never be completely healed, you're going to live with this forever, you're going to have this guilt forever, it's all your fault, it's all, you'll never, you'll never be that person. You know, all, he's a father of lies. Don't buy into the father of lies. The spirit of truth speaks truth. God loves you and God cares about you. You're a child of God. God will see you through this. You can count on God. He'll never forsake you, never leave you. Last week, I got to baptize Nicole, and I just wanted to read her testimony again. 
She said, I grew up with an abusive earthly father, physical, emotional, sexual for many years. In my teens and 20s, I tried to fill a hole in my heart with other men and women. I sought after anybody I thought would love me. God knew better. He left the 99 and came after me. Today, I'm a daughter of God. He, was, he has filled the hole in my heart with his love. Thorn Creek has changed my life for the better. By the grace of God, I've been redeemed, and I'm not where I want to be yet, but I, I, I'm not where I once was. Hallelujah, that's what she said. That's what God is doing. That's what God is doing. The lie of the devil is you will never, you will never overcome this. That healing will never happen. Give up. That's the lie of the devil. But God looks at you, and he loves you, and he cares about you, and he's going to finish what he started. That's who God is. He's faithful and true. He's faithful and true. Back to Acts, verse 5 says, Jesus says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles are with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? It's a good question. Jesus replies, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, but they are not for you to know. So they're asking, like, okay, so is this going to happen? Or is, is, are, are we now going to restore Israel? And is this the day? And Jesus is just like, no, 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 this is a different day. This is a better day. That will come in down the road, but you need this. Sometimes we say prayers and we say, God, you know, bless me with this or fix this or fix her or him or my finances or whatever it is. But God looks at your situation and he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly the prayer that you're not praying. He knows the prayer that you're not praying. And here it comes, verse 8. He says, but you will receive, what church? Power. power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This word power, I did a little study on it. It means strength, ability. It means inherent power. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. So this power that he's talking about, this is supernatural power, and it comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not physical power like Samson or, or I don't know, Tony Stark or whatever. It's not physical power. It's not the power of logic and reasoning. It's not that kind of power. It's not the power of eloquence, the power to work people or negotiate with people or use the power of your tongue. It's not that kind of power. It's a spiritual power that comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus say, okay, there, here it comes. It's going to have power and it's coming. It's coming down the pipe. You're going to be getting it here in a little bit. And then, well, what about, what about the restoring you know, Israel? And, and Jesus said, no, don't worry about that. You need power. Why do they need power? What is that about? Why do they need power? I love John. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit over and over. He said, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. From his, inner, from his soul, the old King James Version says, from their belly. 
rivers of living water. By, but this he spoke to of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So over and over you see Jesus saying, okay, I've been talking about this. I know you're asking about the kingdom, but here comes the power, the power from the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you know? How do you know? I'm not asking you if God speaks to you. I believe that's a role of the Holy Spirit as well. But is the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you? How do you know? What's the evidence? What's the evidence? It's got to be more than I I use my, I, I make money. I'm not talking about your strengths and your gifts. I'm not talking about your skill set. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan said this, God put his spirit in us so we could be known for our power. Sadly, most believers and churches are known for talent and intellect rather than the supernatural power. What's worst is that we're okay with it. You like going to the zoo? I like going to the zoo. I always like to see the big animals. <clears throat> right? The lion. There's something about these, the things that I don't like about the zoo is, is um, they're not in their natural habitat. Right? They do their best to put rocks and stuff and trees and, and paint the wall and, and do the, maybe put a little waterfall or something like that. But when you look at them, behind the cage, it's not them. I mean, it's them, but it's, it's not them. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's exciting to see the zookeeper feed that lion a raw piece of meat. But it's pretty lame compared to seeing that same African male lion kill a wildebeest in the real life, isn't it? And I'm just wondering if we need to be unleashed. You know what I'm saying? But what if there's this other side of life and power that you could experience instead of just being being behind the bars of all that stuff? What if? The second part of verse 8 says, And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses. Can you say witnesses out loud with me? Witnesses. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're a witness. You know what a witness is? A witness tells someone else what they have seen, heard, and experienced, right? What they've seen, heard, and experienced. So they're going to get power. From the Holy Spirit, this dynamite power literally is what it means. And they're, what are they going to use that power for? To be what? Witnesses. Witnesses. I want you to hear this. You are a witness. You are a witness. You are a witness. God wants you to tell those in your home those that you work with, those where you run with, those are your friends, 
your school, whatever it is, God wants you to tell them what He has done in your life. Sometimes we think, well, I need to know the four spiritual laws or I need to know the Roman road and I don't know about all that stuff. Well, can you just tell them what God has done in your life? I know you have that capacity because you can talk about the Avengers or whatever, you can talk about the Broncos. So I know you have the capacity to talk about something that's near and dear to your heart. Can you just tell them what God has done? And that's what God's doing. He said, you will you'll receive power. And uh, <laughs> Jesus knew there was another side to the apostles that they were not aware of. And here was the other side. They would face greatest fears. They would be persecuted. They would lose everything. They would suffer. They would be alone. They would argue and reason for their faith. They would stand before government officials. They would face spiritual opposition. They would experience miracles beyond their belief. They would experience strife and division. They would be beaten, whipped, and stoned. They would put, be put in prison. They would be lost at sea. They, were, they would face dangers and death. They would be robbed. They would be betrayed. They would have sleepless nights. They would go hungry and thirsty without food and water. They would face cold, extreme temperatures. They would be persecuted for their faith. So Jesus said, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to face all that you need the power of the Holy Spirit to go through all that the power of the Holy Spirit is not about highlighting your talents and gifts its purpose is for you to be a witness for Jesus Christ in spite of circumstances you hear that the power of the Holy Spirit and read it again someone needs to hear this the power of the Holy Spirit is not about highlighting your talents and gifts its purpose is for you to be a witness for Jesus Christ in spite of your circumstances. Saying, you know what? I don't have all the answers. You know what? I'm going through this. I may not understand why I'm going through this, but my God is with me and my God is faithful and my God loves me and my God has always worked everything out for good. My God will never let me down. That's my God. That's my God. It's really interesting. When you look at Acts chapter one, verse eight, it's all about unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit. But look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. All, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. When you look at, when you look at Acts, <laughs> you could make an argument that nothing good happened to the early church. You could make that argument. You could make an argument that, wow, they gave their life over to Jesus and you know, it should have been this life, but instead there was famine and persecution and, and separation and everything bad happened and they were scattered. And you could make an argument that they lost. But you know what God did with that? I don't wanna get ahead of myself here, but God used all of that scattering to spread his church. All of that. It's a phenomenal church planting strategy. That's what he did. Here's what I want you to hear. And I prayed about this. I said, Lord, what do you want me to share with the crowd this weekend? What do you want me to share with the church? And, and, and here's what the Lord put on my heart. And I believe someone needs to hear this. Here it is. You need the power of the Holy Spirit for the other side. You need the power of the Holy Spirit for the other side the spirit of truth, the comforter, <laughs> the advocate. And the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit 
will carry you through whatever you're going through. And he will use you in ways that you never imagined. There's another side to your life. And that's what Jesus was trying to help the disciples understand. You're, in, you're waiting in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come. It comes in chapter 2. You just got to wait here. But you need power because there's another side that you don't fully understand yet. I'm launching the church. You don't get that. That's what Jesus is telling them. You don't understand what's about to happen, but you need power for the other side. And God is telling you, don't stay on this side just relying on your own strengths and capacities. God wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you because you need power for the other side. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to face tomorrow. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to face your challenges and struggles and doubts and all the things that you go through. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because he wants to use you to share your faith with someone. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because you're gonna be taking faith steps that you never dreamed you would take. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because you're gonna have to die to yourself and live for him. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You wanna know that other side? Why spend your life in a cage <laughs> when you could be unleashed in, <clears throat> in the Serengeti? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for your grace. You're so good. <clears throat> Jesus, I'm so grateful that you just, you were so patient with the apostles and I feel that, Lord. I feel that when you're patient with us. If you let's just do this, guys. You can just right where you're at. If you want to know the power of the Holy Spirit in a new way, would you just raise your hand really quickly? Raise your hand really quickly. You want to know the power of the Holy Spirit? Make that your prayer with your hand raised. Say this: Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. God, give me that power that you talked about in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to trust you with tomorrow. Have your way inside of me. Great, you can put your hands down. God, thank you for your grace and your love. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior and forgive me for my sins and take over me. I want to become a Christian today. I confess you are Lord. I confess that I'm a sinner. And, and with my heart, I believe. And I put my faith in you. Maybe you need to Ask God to move right now. Maybe you're at a low place. Would you just say, God, I need your Holy Spirit right now. I'm in a low place right now, God. God, I need your joy in my home. I need your peace in my heart. I need power that comes from you because something has a hold of me and I'm so sick of it. Maybe you just need to tell the devil, devil, you're a liar. And listen to the spirit of truth. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The church said, Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church give.